Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The Hancock International Endurance Series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hancock 12 Hours of Hungary is the penultimate round of the championship and our final venue in the European segment of our tour of the world. Remember, in previous years, we've actually had separate titles, but for 2021, uh, there are points to be gleaned from not only Dubai at the start of the year, but the remaining rounds at Sebring as well. So uh, every opportunity to get try and get maximum points for this weekend. And then there is about a month's break before we cross the Atlantic for the final event. So delighted you can be with us on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. My name's Johnny Palmer. Joined today by Peter Snowden and by Lukas Gajewski in the pits. We'll get to those gentlemen in just a second. But a reminder that our season began at the start of the year in January for the traditional 24 hours of Dubai, powered by Hankook. Then after a two-month break, the 12 hours of Mugello, which was a split race across Friday afternoon and all day Saturday. There was a uh, all-in 12 hours of Circuit Paul Ricard in April. The 12 hours of Hockenheim again was split in May. And then the 24 hours of Barcelona. Barcelona at the start of last month. We're here at Hungary after a slight change in plans and it's been a rather fluid uh, campaign if you've been following it. This is unusual in the sense that there are two hours of running today for the race and 10 hours tomorrow. So all about staying on the lead lap, you would think. And then the first ever trip for Kreventik and the 24H series to Sebring for the 24 hours across the 18th, 19th and 20th of November. So it is a beautiful day in the Hungaro ring and uh, we will be having a look at the runners and riders in a moment or two. There have been already two uh, private tests and then free practice this morning that uh, unsurprisingly was topped by Herbert Motorsport, who won last time out at Barcelona. But to get a flavour of the entries and the mood in the camp, let's head to Lukas Gajewski, who's in the pit lane. Yes, indeed, Johnny. Hi to everyone. It's a lovely day here at the Hungaroring in Budapest. Behind us, the pit lane with all the cars getting ready for qualifying. And that, Johnny, is one of the big differences this time out here in Hungary. Because normally, as you know, in Kreventik and the 24H series, we have a split qualifying with TCE cars and GT cars. This time here in Hungary, it's a combination. And that kind of works the same as Budapest itself. And to tell you what I'm on about, let's have a look onto a map of Budapest, because as some of you might know, it's actually two parts. It's Buda, the older part, and Pest, the newer one. So let's call this the TCE bit, because obviously they normally would have started. And then here we have the newer GT bit. Now, because this all together is just better than two separate things, this all combines to one big qualifying session of 30 minutes with all the cars on the circuit and I'm quite looking forward to this Johnny. Yeah you and me both Lucas thank you for that we'll get plenty more from you over the next 
qualifying session and uh, he makes the point, quite rightly so, that last time out in Barcelona we had two separate divisions but this time it will be half an hour of uh, all of the cars that we will be seeing later on, Peter Snowden, and 16 of them were in free practice, uh, which has actually only just finished. That was running from for an hour, from 25 past one local through till 2.25, and now just 20 minutes later, uh, this is a 30-minute session to get qualifying done, and then... It's only an hour and 15, I make it, before we start racing. So these sessions are really coming thick and fast. Not a great deal of opportunity to change the setup. Now, morning, Johnny and Lucas. Um, yeah, it's uh, an interesting psychology, isn't it, of the drivers and teams uh, behind this straightaway? Because we've got, as you say, a split race. Two hours this afternoon, ten hours tomorrow. It's kind of almost like the similar sort of Formula 1 sprint format, isn't it? Uh, of do a shorter race today. So how much are people going to take risks today? because they've got 10 hours to do tomorrow in one go. Uh, great that the qualifying is mixed, because that gets the, if you like, gets the eye in ready mm. for later on, rather than two separate groups. You're straight out there, both groups together. Um, I think it could be quite fascinating. I, I just wonder if people are going to sandbag, if you like, for want of a better phrase, today, with an eye on the big prize tomorrow of a, a 10-hour running. And there's always the opportunity to gain some time back from one day into the next because all you have to do is stay on the lead lap within your category. And even if the gap is almost a lap time, and by the way, lap time around here, well, a good one in GT is 1 minute 46. If you're in the TCR category, it's more like a 1.56. But let's say you're trailing your class leader in TCR by... 1 minute 50 as you cross the line uh, later on this evening you will buy back all of that time when the clock is effectively reset uh, when it's the, the, the period of time when it's not reset is if you fall off that lead lap and therefore the lap's distance is retained into tomorrow's grid so those that are quite savvy will um, potentially lose some time today but not too much so that they can then gain best part of two minutes back again and they might actually postpone a pit stop until early tomorrow rather than doing it late tonight. Exactly. That's the whole point of the, the, the strategy thinking today, isn't it? The philosophy of uh, what they're going to do. It, uh, it is a race. Obviously, the qualifying session uh, a little bit later on, the 30, 30 minutes of qualifying session joined together. But that what we do for tomorrow, what the drivers do, and I'm sure the teams will be watching each other down the pit lane because the big prize is tomorrow. And that's not to say they're not going to race today because it is a grid. Uh, you know, effectively, it's a two-hour qualifying session today to set the grid for tomorrow but always in the knowledge you've got that overnight any repairs anything that needs doing and uh, all the more reason to keep out of trouble at uh, the first corner as you always want to in endurance race we want to do in racing full stop anyway yeah but uh, uh, you've only got a two-hour race today and it's it, to me it, it's fascinating what they're going to see and that will that will pan out certainly and i just i just wonder if we'll see perhaps perhaps teams showing their hand a bit more in qualifying but then backing off for the two-hour race to hold it in reserve ready for the 10 hours tomorrow. So last time out, we were racing in a very different format indeed, at 24 hours, and that was all the way through, where in Barcelona, Herbert Motorsport, with their number 91 Porsche, managed to complete very nearly 700 laps around the Grand Prix circuit in Barcelona, 6.95 after... 24 hours, but they got a huge amount of points. Daniel Alleman, Ralph Bone, Alfred and Robert Renauer. Now, the driver lineup is not quite the full complement uh, for this weekend. They only have one of the Renauers, and that is 
Bear with me, bear with me for the uh, 91 Porsche. Uh, Alfred Renauer with Daniel Alleman and Ralph Bone in their 91 Porsche. Herbert also had the 92 here this weekend, which finished third in free practice uh, a little earlier on this afternoon. And the 92, Jürgen Herring, Bobby Gonzalez, Tim Muller and Marco Seyfried. Also in the GT3 category, and this is... Uh, GT3 as the top class. Ted Van Fleet and Rude Olige in the uh, BMW M6. So outgoing cars, Peter and I was com- were commentating on uh, last weekend during the penultimate round of the NLS around the Nürburgring Nordschleife. And the M4, of course, is waiting in the wings for competition in season 2022. But we do have this JR Motorsport BMW M6 GT3 present on the grid. Exciting to see how that gets on. There's also a couple of Audis. One is the Evo spec, so one newer than the other. The 34 car collection motorsport uh, Audi of Johannes Kerkhoff, Dr. Kerkhoff, no less. Gustav Edelhoff, Elmar Grimm and Max Edelhoff, so father and son Edelhoffs in that car, with then the one that's not the Evo for, from Rutronic Racing by TECE for Michael Doppelmeyer, Pierre Kaffer, Elia Erhardt and Sven Herberger. And then two Mercedes, AMG GT3 Evo 20s, one for MP Racing for the Gosner family, Thomas, David and Corina, and CP Racing's Mercedes Charlie Putman, Charles Espenlau, Joe Foster and Shane Lewis. So I reckon, yes, the GT3 category is the most uh, popular. And I think we're going to have a good race there with seven cars. Very different kind of ways of building GT3 cars as well. Some front engine, some mid engine, the two Porsches rear engined. And it's going to be fascinating to see which is better around this tight and technical circuit snowy it certainly is and uh, it's slightly a slightly depleted field than we're used to but it's still there's still some quality some quality names out there some good driver lineups as well and great to see that m6 uh, bmw out it is uh, it's probably harsh or unfair to call it an aging car now um but it is about to be replaced by the new M4, different platform altogether uh, for that the, the replacement of that car, which we saw do so well uh, in the last last round, uh, fifth overall, wasn't it? I think in the last round, yes, uh, did finish tenth on its debut, its proper debut, but deliberately they ran it lower fuel than it. Uh, it was meant to expire on the last lap, but it actually expired on the last lap in the pit lane, didn't quite get across, and we thought it was classified tenth. But um, the, the M6 still a, still a mighty. Uh, piece of equipment in GT3 racing mm. and I would not be at all surprised to see it right up there at the uh, the pointy end as they say big car as well huge huge footprint on that um, so it's, uh, it's going to need quite a bit of room thank goodness this is a, a Formula 1 licensed track where there's lots of room and lots of runoff and we desperately need, or certainly from you know from the variety point of view, someone to t- to break the stranglehold of this Porsche domination. Fans of Porsche will be saying, "No, Johnny, we want them to win all the way through the year." Well, it has been the 911 GT3R that has been victorious in every single round. I'm talking about the GT part of uh, the series, of course, because we will have two races in one later on today and tomorrow. But. Uh, those that can remember all the way back to Dubai at the start of the year, that was a win for the number 36 GPX racing uh, Porsche of Alan Ferte, Julian Anlauer, 
Mathieu Jaminet, Fred Fatia and Axel Jeffries. Then the first of three wins for the 91 Porsche from Herbert Motorsport of Alleman, Bone, Renawa and Renawa. They went on to win the 24 hour, the, rather the 12 hours of Paul Ricard as well. The difference between Mugello, the second round, and the 12 hours at Paul Ricard is that uh, it was all the way through 12 hours at Ricard, right? whereas uh, we, we bro- broke for uh, Friday night at, uh, in Italy for the 12 hours there in Tuscany. The 66 car at Hockenheim Ring is the Hegeli Racing Porsche of Peter de Curtin's Manuel Lauk and Mark Bassing that took victory in Germany. And as I mentioned, in Spain last time out, it was the third win of the season for Alleman, Bone, Renauer and Renauer in Porsche number 91. So are we going to get perhaps a car that's not a Porsche win this weekend at Hung- Hungaro Ring? You're going to have to wait a little over 24 hours to find out the answer to that question as we can get some more from Lucas, who's viewing this session in the pits. Johnny, you just mentioned the BMW M6. This is their pit box, JR Motorsport, back there. They just did a brake change on the only BMW M6 to prepare it already for the race, which shouldn't be too much of a disadvantage because there is plenty of time left in qualifying and, of course, quite a bit of space on the circuit. 4.3 kilometers shared by just 16 cars. Over there, there is the uh, Vortex garage. That car was brought into the pits just after the end of free practice. It was not a big problem. It just ran out of fuel. So uh, that's it. Another fuel load, and now it's back on track for qualifying as well. Thank you, Lucas. And um, maybe when we come to you next time, or indeed now, uh, you can update us with the fueling situation at the Hungaro Ring because typically with Creventic, fueling is not done outside the garages. That's uh, two-pronged, partly because it's easier from a logistical point of view rather than having to put um, fueling outlets at, uh, at every single garage. There is a separate fueling area, but also from a safety perspective as well, it means that not everyone in the pits has to be in fire proof overalls in fact nobody does uh, but um, I'm interested in whether the fueling is at the start or the end of the pit lane and how easy or difficult it is to navigate into that quadrant <coughs> to get there uh, it's normally a speed limit of 20 kilometers per hour to head around the area dedicated to fuel for the weekend as the uh, GR Motorsport BMW heads into the second sequence of corners so there's a hairpin right to start the lap and then you head effectively doubling back towards the paddock before then a very slow left-hander followed by the right-hand kink and there are areas around this track that you can get up to quite high speed but uh, I mean this track was described to me a few years ago Snowy as, as almost being like Monaco without the walls in that it's one racing line and it can be very tricky to overtake. Yeah, I think I think a little less so with the GT cars. Um, I think they'll they'll have a bit more of an opportunity to do it. Uh, just spotting the the fastest car at the moment, one of the Gosners. It's going to be, of course, because three of them. Thomas, David, uh, Corinna. It's David at the wheel at the moment that's taken the uh, MP Racing Mercedes GT3 to the top of the times. So one forty-six point three, the best they did in uh, free practice was one forty-five nine. So just outside of that. But uh, current. I guess that's a provisional pole position, really, isn't it? Um, I think we will see overtaking a little different. We've got TCR and GT3 cars mixed on track. 16 entries, as we say. There's going to have to be opportunities for it. But it is it is pretty well aligned. But these cars are a little less aero-dependent than their uh, F1 um, counterparts, if you like. Yes. So they, they are stuck to a line there a little bit more. So I, 
It is. It is. I think it's a good description, Monaco, without the without the walls and without the cafes and the, the yachts. Well, and the, true. All the other. <laughs> Uh, uh, benefits and bonuses that go with Monaco. They're not are. putting Hungary down, but it is, it is slightly different. Maybe a few uh, a few less uh, billionaires as well floating oh. around the place. But well, uh, Have you seen what it takes to run a GT3 car these days? True enough, <laughs> yes. No, there's still plenty of money around, don't get me wrong. 701 Vortex just heading towards the chicane. No, uh, later on in the lap, still getting my bearings in all honesty. But 30 minutes of this session uh, to be taking place. We've had just over 12 minutes of it already. And we're going to go back to Lucas, maybe with an update on how the fuel is done this weekend. Yes, here's the explanation of the fuel zone. I've done my pit stop over there and now I'm going to be running at 40 kilometers per hour. Pull in here and then it's just 20. So much, much slower on the way to the fuel pump but that is one of the big differences this time out because normally it's somewhere in the back of the paddock here it's in the middle of the f1 pit lane so i'm going to stop somewhere here will be filled up and then i'm going to start running slowly again with 20 kilometers an hour over there there is the sign 40 kilometers until the end of the pit lane and then it's flat out again so as many different <laughs> <laughs> as many things here in Hungary it works a bit different the refueling thing this time thank you Lucas uh, I knew I just needed to request something like that and he would uh, provide all of the necessary information uh, very much appreciated we've not been racing at this venue with Creventic in the 24H series I make it for seven years the last time it was part of the calendar it was 2014 and this is actually the seventh edition of the 12 hours of the Hungaro ring um, and therefore, I assume they were all part of our Creventic Championship, although if the previous one was 2014, I'm not sure whether it's possible to fit them all in, in the time that we've had a championship existing with Creventic. Remember, the, the 24 hours of Dubai in the early days was basically the only event of the year, and then that became a three-round championship, a five-round championship, and now we are at a point where there's, uh, there's actually going to be seven races through the course of the season, one in the Middle East to start things off, five races in Europe, and then to North America, to Florida, for the final round of the season, which will be race seven. So the 92 Porsche is the Herbert Motorsport entered car for Jürgen Herring, Bobby Gonzalez, Marco Seyfried, and uh, Daniel Alleman, interestingly. Now, that's not the lineup I gave you a moment or two ago. So there's obviously been a little bit of a tweak to the uh, drivers for... Car 92, and that suggests to me that Alleman's going to be on double duty, sometime driving the 91 and sometimes the 92. So they will be having to get their stints exactly right for that. Um, no, I think that was what I gave you at the start. I'd expected maybe an, adjust, an adjustment. I think we've lost Tim Muller, who was originally labelled in that 92 car. So Muller out and Daniel Alleman in. They've just got to make sure at Herbert Motorsport then, Snowy, that when Alleman comes in at the end of one stint, he's not doing the, the other car right, right afterwards. Well, mercy regulations prevent that. But yeah. um, it would be very tiring, wouldn't it, to get from one car to the other. We do see it quite often, though, with drivers driving more than... Uh, at the wheel of more than one car in a race, but you do need to have a, an appropriate gap in between between the two. It would help if it's a similar type of car as well, otherwise it's, yeah. uh, that would be quite uh, quite interesting. I uh, whether Swiss he's... driver there, and of course they, that car currently just gone to the top of the timesheets, Johnny, with a 144.995 by Marco Seyfried. 
I wonder whether he's just there as more of an insurance policy if uh, Herring, Gonzalez, Seyfried find that they can't do a stint for whatever reason, then they've always got Alleman as a backup. I say that because the 91 car only has three drivers, so you would have thought the 92 should be able to do it with three if they have to. What a, what a job to have, hey? Just um, a, a choice of which Herbert Motorsport Porsche to, to drive in this series. The, the Corentic, Barcelona round, they were first and second. Yeah. I think they were leading on the first lap, weren't they? 24 hours later, they were leading. Such was there. I, I use the word metronomic advisedly. It's a little bit of a cliche, but it really was. And the age-old thing with the Porsche, you mentioned about breaking the Porsche stranglehold uh, a little bit earlier, Johnny. But they, they, the phrase that they just do what it says on the tin. Uh, for those Porsche, they just do. They are metronomic. They do go round. They just keep doing it and just delivering the results. But um, uh, I think, Daniel Alleman, I think you're probably right there. I think he may well just flip between the two cars. And I don't think it really matters to him which, which one he gets to drive. You know, he could actually finish up first and second in the race. He though, could. He? Yeah. Yep. Cool. So he would have to straddle, straddle a podium. Absolutely. But let's not predict that now at this stage. We are only in free, we're even in qualifying just yet. So, yes. Yeah, a long way for of the weekend still to pan out quite clearly. And, uh, you know, you get to the end of two hours this evening at uh, 6.30. And then you've got the small challenge of 10 hours of racing tomorrow. And uh, the championship deliberately using as much of the day as possible. You might be asking why the 12 hours can't be squeezed in. Now, I don't know this for certain, but I am assuming it is because that is within the permitted racing hours of this site. So everything has to be done pretty much by 6.30 in the evening. And therefore, uh, and they'll be starting at, what, 8.30 tomorrow say, it's, morning. It's an, so. an early start, 8.30 yeah. to be out racing on track. I mean, most, uh, most circuits uh, across the world, uh, normally track activity isn't allowed until 9 o'clock local time. Uh, simply because of noise restriction, we call environmental issues now, uh, etc. And there are places in the UK, certainly, where that's the case. And there's only so many you know, noisy days allowed uh, at a circuit and a venue across across a year. So um, that's exactly why it's difficult to get a 12-hour race or a 24-hour race. But people, fans, teams, drivers are all clamouring for it. But it's, it's often just putting the permits in place. Yeah. It, it's not that the organisers don't want to do it or there isn't, a, there isn't a demand for it. It's the physicality. Can you actually do it? Logistics. Oh, there's a big spin for the 58 Mercedes, which goes around in the GT3 category. That, I think, is at turn two. Yes, it is. So turn one is the hairpin right that kicks the lap off. There's a little kink then, uh, which is definitely a separate corner, but on my track map isn't numbered separately. So two is the left-hand almost hairpin, and then there's the right-hand kink with a bike chicane immediately afterwards, but we're not using that this weekend. So... 58 is David Gosner, who just goes into turn two a little hot, slightly off the racing line, and maybe just out in the dust there, Snowy. Johnny, I'm not going to contradict you there. I'm going to just offer in a little little possibility Go there. on, you can contradict no, 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 me. No, it's no, early no. on in the no. weekend. David, I like a bit David, of controversy. David Gosner set the original fastest lap in that car a few moments ago. Marcus Seyfried uh, then picked that in the Herbert Motorsport Porsche. I wonder if Gosner's gone into the pits. It's one of the other Gosners in the car, and our timing screen just hasn't updated yet. I just yep. wonder... If that's going out, cold tyres, we, we say the phrase cold tyres, cold brain. We don't mean that uh, rudely. It's just it's a connection. As in, you haven't dialed into the car just quite yet. And it's, as you say there, a uh, big left hand. And it just got away from him. Just uh, him. Or it could be Corinna, of course. There's, there's Lady Gosser in that car as well. So we'll just see when our screen updates. If it is, David, then, then I'm wrong. 
Indeed, you, yeah. Indeed well, so, nothing's guaranteed. But, it is going to be a Gosner. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, we don't need to necessarily narrow it down in that respect. We haven't seen the MP Racing Mercedes number 58 since Hockenheim, so two races ago, but it's a long time ago, back in May, in fact, but they weren't at Barcelona for the 24 hours, as now heading towards the latter portion of the lap, which is uphill, back towards the main straight, the 955 Willy Motorsports by Ebby Motors Porsche. Um, so run by Ebby Motors is heading up the hill. Fabrizio Brogi, Nikolai Sergui Giorgi and Sabino De Castro are the drivers in car 955. Entered into the 991 class this weekend. So back across the line that will go and you can hear the flat six in the background. Uh, so between turns 14 and 15, pit entry actually before you get to turn 14. So the pit pit inroad arcs on the very inside of turn 14 um, and pit, pit uh, lane itself starts with the bays almost as soon as you straighten up. And you'll, I'm sure we'll know this if you follow F1 because uh, there was a rather entertaining race around this place only uh, a few weeks ago as... The 101 Red Camel Jordans.nl Audi RS3 LMS DSG, although not in the traditional uh, Red Camel colours. Of course, they have run Coopers in the past, but a departure to the four rings this weekend for Rick Broikers, who's joined by Dad Evo and brother Luke as well. So we've got all three Broikers in the 101. We've got all three Gosners in the 58 GT3 Mercedes, as then Rick runs a little bit wide coming out of turn one. And through the kink, you can do that, although, well, officials may be stamping down on track limits, particularly on the exit of a bend, because it means you can carry more speed, of course, through the middle corner. He's kicking up the dust through turn three as well. So this is potentially a very good lap for Rick Broikers, unless the stewards cancel it, because he's been off and over the white lines at least on a couple of occasions, and he's only now at turn five. Quick update on the uh, 58 uh, MP... Uh, Mercedes that has pitted, so it might well have been, I might have to backpedal on this one, Johnny, that it might well have been David Gossman at the wheel of that, just trying to go for a quicker lap and just a uh, little bit of uh, exuberance on the throttle there, uh, and getting carried away that lap time reduced to a 2.079, that's how much that time cost him, but uh, um, I did notice as the car went round uh, when you spotted it, Johnny, that he was very quickly onto the brakes because there wasn't much of a runoff area at that point and he didn't really want to go and connect into the barriers. At this stage of the weekend, it's, it's not ideal. The mechanics are... They're not going to add you to their Christmas card list for that, are they? Certainly not. <laughs> I mean, there is some space if you outbreak yourself into two. There's a bit of runoff then right in front of you. But if you've done the majority of turn two and then you lose the car, as you say, Armco's very close yeah, that's indeed. That's different. That's a different. So outbreaking yourself, you can, we you can, can get away with it. You can understeer and just, oh, yeah. okay. And it's, it's nothing but pride and lap time. It's when the car starts to rotate. It's like, oh, hang on. It's, it's not built for this. And you, you were saying about track limits, of course, that this has changed. Uh, fundamentally now over the years we used to have the side of the track a curb a white line a curb and then usually grass and then then barriers mm. and it used to be in the old days that you know sort of you know ask any decent touring car driver what the track limits were and they'd say the barriers everything else was legitimate you'd lose time and it was self-policing and self-penalizing because friction you've got no grip you go onto the rough but it was happening 
most F1 circuits now have these massive runoffs, and even some of the curbs aren't even a curb; they're just painted. Yeah. So you can afford to run over it and take a risk, and that's exactly what you say. Drivers, the mentality of drivers is they will try and gain every advantage. What's interesting here at the Hungara Ring is it's a mixture of both. It is an F1 licensed circuit, as you said, a, a great Grand Prix here just a few weeks ago. But a lot of it, you do have some of these runoffs, sort of turn three, the right-hander drop down the hill. So we've got our, our first bit there. We just where we saw the MP Mercedes go round. The fast right-hander after that, there's a big runoff to the left-hand side. And again, at turn four, at the top of a hill, there's a runoff to the right. Then it changes. All of a sudden, you've got grass. Mm. And it's back to almost like old school, if you like. So it's one of those strange circuits where it mixes as you go around. So you've got to remember... Should you be inclined as a driver to possibly take advantage of a corner like that, which none would, of course, we know. We're just talking hypothetically. Come on, which corners that you might want to not do that at, if you know what I mean. I do, indeed. Uh, yes, and you've got to be on top of that all the way around the lap. Some good times coming in now, including for Alfred Renauer, who's just set a personal best. That's eight thousandths of a second slower than Marco Siegfried in the 92. So it's a Herbert 1-2 separated by 0 0 8 of a second. There's also a new time at the top of TCE. Emil Heyerdahl in car number one has just done a 154.995 for Outer Rama Motorsport. As we get this update again from Lucas. Yeah, as you just mentioned, the uh, Herbert Porsche number 91, it just went past the uh, MP Mercedes, as I'm seeing on the timing screen behind me. But I think there is still a very, very happy David Gosner who just got out of the Mercedes. And you look very happy indeed, David. <laughs> Yeah, it was not so bad for me. It uh, was really, really, really lucky. And uh, I tried to give my best. And uh, the Mercedes, nice car. And, and didn't you expect to be in P2 in the end? Because I saw you proudly taking, proudly taking pictures of the timing screen afterwards. I'm expect, yeah. I'm expect. Okay. And do you think we'll now stay in P3 with the two Herbert Porsche in front of you? No, we go to first. All right. Do, do you actually go out again? Or you won't. Today, 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 no. Today, I lost drive my father. <laughs> right. David, thank you very much. All the best. Thank you. That's David Gosner, who is a former for, uh, Ferrari European champion in the Shell division. Uh, took that 2013, so just a year before. We were last racing at this track, in fact, with this championship. Um, so he has had a number of seasons in the Ferrari challenge the european challenge uh, of course there's a north america and an asian championship as well but uh, first races in this particular series last year with mp racing the family crew uh, they hail from uh, bolzano in italy and uh, david is 34 bronze rated by the fia but done quite a lot of uh, gt racing namely in ferraris but of course they have a mercedes these days the 58 car as out of at the lower portion of the track at turn five goes the number 500 Audi. And great to have the Evo 2 back again, which is the car collection motorsport machine. So um, exciting to see how this car gets on across the weekend after it debuted in Barcelona last month, Snowy. Yeah, and this is the car that we had all the sort of Wingate conversations about, didn't we, in Barcelona, the comparison to the wing and how very, very different it is. And it wasn't, a, wasn't not just being Anorax. There was, there was a certain element of that, of course, but it was quite legitimate. And it's very, very different. The, the wings, it's got a, a reverse swan neck uh, set of struts on it where this wing 
sits for much further forward than it does on the ordinary Audi R8. And uh, obviously a, an evolution, no pun intended, because it is called the Evo 2, the car, but literally an aerodynamic evolution of the thinking and how these things evolve and these technicians and engineers, they never stop. There's always things going on in wind tunnels and trying to find every little bit all the time. And what's, what's accepted practice today might not be in two races' time, never mind next season. So Nathanel Berton will be part of the lineup for, in this number 500 car. He's going to be joined by Martin Lechman and Martin Rump, who is uh, the 25-year-old Estonian who is racing mainly in the GT World Challenge Championship this year. Had a, a complete break from racing last year, presumably enforced by the pandemic. But good to have him uh, taking part, I think, in his first ever 24H Series meeting. And at the moment, the 500 car is being driven by Nathanel Berton, Frenchman, uh, allocated in the P4 category, but there are no other cars in P4. That just means that prior to its homologation, full homologation next year, it's given a, a separate class. Um, but we will see how it gets on against uh, other GT3 machinery. It will have been given a hand of balance of performance, though, that should mean that it doesn't, isn't capable of winning the race. So a bit more weight. Maybe the turbo... Uh, no, because there's not a turbo on that car, is there? But uh, the restrictor may be slightly narrower as well so that it can't get uh, a race win although it is a very strong driver lineup so it's going to be interesting with a smallish entry this weekend as to what it might get up to well you say that johnny that's 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 the principle but of course these things never work out quite that no. way last weekend you and i covered the uh, nls eight round uh, where the aston martin gt3 debuted and of course that was in the, the equivalent category in nls spx as in unhomologated cars shouldn't go out there and win it and of course they'll they'll then balance performance it and of course it had a very strong lineup of uh, nicky team and maxime martin and it went and won it mm. so you know the out the thing you don't want to as a manufacturer in actual fact really is is to come out and just banzai the field with your new car because yeah it's great for that one day but then obviously the organizers just go well okay balance the performance the heck out of that and knock it all back, and it's not the car that then customers go and buy. So in some ways, you, you don't want to give it too much of a performance. And in some ways, there perhaps with uh, BMW, were pretty similar last weekend with the new M4 in that same NLS round. Nice, solid fifth. It's well inside the top ten. It's off the podium. It's just, you know, you said to me after at the end of the, at the day, that race when, it, when the Aton won it, um, you know, what do you add to that now? What do you do? Do you do the second race? Do you do the last one of the year? And like you said, no, just form an orderly queue here. Yeah. You need customers starting to buy it now. Leave on um, a high. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the memory leave, is... Always leave them wanting. Precisely, yeah. Uh, well, uh, they've done what they set out to do, drum up a huge amount of interest ahead of next season in the NLS. And Herbert Motorsport, in a similar vein, really taking charge of this session because Marco Seafried's gone through again to set another uh, best lap. And he is 0.786 of a second clear now with a 144.217. Could be about to improve again. Although, no, he's crossed the line now to receive the chequered flag because that 30 minutes has uh, really gone through so, so quickly. We had obviously plenty to talk about during the session, uh, but I can't quite believe that half an hour has disappeared there. Uh, a tap on the nose of the number 92 car then that outpaces the 91. Remember, with no Robert Renauer in the 91 this weekend, I wonder how much of an impact that will have compared to the sister car at Herbert Motorsport. But they are confirmed as locking out the front row in the GT series. Alfred Renauer pitted 
earlier than Marco. And Marco, as I say, did a 36.7 through the first sector on his in-lap, which was actually better than he'd managed all session. Uh, Alfred Renauer then and uh, Ralph Bone, Daniel Alleman will join the 92 car on the front row a little later on for the 4.30 start local. David Gosner, who we heard from in the session, will start from third position in car 58 with Thomas, his dad, and Karina, his sister, the three Gosners taking charge of the 58 car this weekend. It'll be CP Racing and uh, the two Charleses, Charles Espenlaub, Charlie Putman uh, in the 85 car to start from fourth position ahead of Nat Berton, who fairly late on in the session was able to move from one side of the grid to the other. So therefore leapfrogging the JR Motorsport BMW M6 to go fifth. And Baz Schouten still heading around. In fact, he's gone back out, interestingly, after the chequered flag. I hope there's no penalty for that. The BMW M6 shown on my screen as currently doing an outlap. RD Science Racing Team, who have a Lamborghini Huracan Super Trofeo in the GTX category, have qualified in seventh place in the GT Series, ahead of the 991 entered uh, Willy Motorsports by Ebby Motors, Porsche 911. That's a Gen 2 cup car. Michael Doppelmeyer in the Audi R8 LMS GT3, qualifying in ninth position, ahead of Gilles Courtois. And then in the TCE Series, Emil Hayadal gets pole position for Autorama Motorsport by Wolfpower Racing in their VW Golf. Rick Breukers, not very far away, just 0.352 of a second slower in the Audi RS RS3 LMS DSG and the same car for AC Motorsport qualifying in third position after a lap from Mathieu Detrie and Jasmine Presig in the 112 car finishing in fourth spot. So confirmation of the GT uh, positions, these fairly provisional at this stage and will be made certain, of course, ahead of our start time of 4.30 for the first two hours. But Herbert, very dominant indeed. And Daniel Alleman looks to be on to already a, potentially a winner this weekend because he's not only uh, allocated in the first car, but he's also got potentially the backup seat in the second car as well. Or the other way around, actually. And it remains to be seen whether the Swiss will appear in the 92. But he's got a strong footing whichever way he goes. Talk about covering all your bases. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Literally, he's got, he's got a seat in the two front-running cars, the front-row cars, way of doing it. Uh, Samantha Tan there didn't uh, finish. I noticed that uh, the 438 GT4, uh, it's, a BMW, it's the ST Racing, isn't it? An M4 GT4, isn't it, I think it is? Yes. Um, Interesting. I did see that going around a little bit slower. And her best lap time was a, a 6 weight, so she's slightly out there. She bring, brings up the, the rear in terms of the field there, the Canadian uh, Samantha Tan uh, in that car. But I'm just... Uh, I'm not sure what, what the problem with that car is. I'm sure that will be out. It will be a starter. I am very intrigued also, as you say, on the, at uh, Bash out on, on an outlap. According yeah. To, I, I can't believe that's correct. I, I can't believe a team would send somebody out on an outlap when the chequered flag has gone out already. There may be news uh, to I, follow I, on that. I think it's a, a technical misnomer on the screen, shall we say. Outerama Motorsport by Wolfpower Racing. Another pole for the season. And Emil Hayadal, the man to set it from Rick Breukers, who was trying everything he could in a new car, the Red Camel Jordans.nl, new car for him, the RS3 LMS DSG. Similar car for the Belgian squad, AC Motorsport. Just a two-driver uh, lineup there for Mathieu Dittree and Stefan Perrat, ahead of the other Autorama Motorsport Golf car 112. And Munkhoff Racing setting a 156.3, and that was set by Marco Poland. Lucas Gajewski has all the reaction following a cut-and-thrust 30-minute qualifying session. 
with your pole setter Marco Seafried in the number 92 Porsche. That's pole position and Marco, you absolutely smashed this session with the overall best in the beginning and then you actually improved later on. Yeah, uh, at the beginning, um, my teammate Jürgen, he started the session uh, on used ones and um, the team uh, said, I shall go also on the used one as well to get a feel for the car because we did some brake baiting before and then they have always a high initial bite and therefore we took chances and uh, I went for it and then they gave me some new, some stickers and um, yeah, then it was just one thing. I was a bit nervous to get a clear lap at the time when the, when the peak is there. So once I run into traffic, then I slow down a bit to, to keep the tire at the sweet point, but then at the end it worked out and it was fine. Shall we make some space for you guys to bring the car back in? I think they're waiting for us to be done with the interview. But of course, we have a couple of more questions. For example, your driver lineup. I understand Tim Müller is out of it. And now you have one driver doing both or doing the race on both cars? Yeah, we have the machine now on, on our car called Daniel Aleman. So he said, uh, okay, you guys, you are in trouble. And um, as Herbert is really team spirit, um, he said he tries to share and we are convinced that he can manage because he's driving from, from the early morning until the sun comes down. So he's the one we need. And um, yeah, we are happy that we can take this uh, chance or this opportunity uh, to have uh, a nice clear race. So to make it clear, he's not focusing on one car and it's, it's the reserve for the second car. He's doing both of them. He's doing both of them. He's, he's a, a petrol head, a real maniac. So he's going for it. That's a great spirit. And why is Tim not with you this time? Honestly, I don't know. I just heard yesterday night some, some private issues. Um, I didn't want to ask. It seemed there's uh, some, some trouble. And um, we have to accept this. And um, we are not, not uh, mad about him because if something happens, then you got to go. And that's what he did. And we tried to, to recover this somehow. And uh, it looks like with Danny, we can do it. And there is only a very short time now until the start of the race. How does the preparation look like in the next few minutes? Uh, seriously, now our starting lineup was very much pending on the qualifying result. I think Jürgen is starting, but um, since you took me right out of the pit garage, uh, I do not know who is finishing the, today's race. Probably then Taki or Danny. I think uh, they want to reserve my time for tomorrow's for the big part. Um, but maybe there were some changes. I have no idea, to be, uh, to be fair. Okay, so I'll let you sort that out, and I'll keep all the strategy questions for the grid later on. Thank you very much, Marco Siebre. Thank you. Have a good one. See you, Ben. Yeah, that's a very, very strong uh, hint there from Marco Seafried that Lucas was pulling him out of the driver briefing. So we're, we're most grateful to Mar for Marco for spending the time. That's the second pole position of the season, by the way, because although everyone remembers GPX Racing taking victory at Dubai in January, it was actually the 92 car, although with a different driver lineup that included Sven Muller and Klaus Backler, who took pole position in uh, at uh, the... Dubai Autodrome all those many months ago. So that draws to a close our coverage of qualifying for the 2021 running of the Hankook 12 Hours of Hungaro Ring. Uh, race one, part one of the race is due to start at 4.30, but we will be live with all the build-up Central European Summertime at 4 o'clock local. And if you head to uh, radio-show.co.uk, and have a look at the schedule at the bottom of that page for RS1. Then wherever you are around the world, that website will do all the calculations for you. But basically, 
it is in 37 minutes' time. We will be live again for the build-up for two hours of the 12 hours because it's a massive day of racing tomorrow, remember, starting at 8.30 local all the way through till 6.30. Who can finish on the lead lap, though, later on tonight? You'll have to rejoin us to find out. My thanks to Lucas Gajewski in the pits, to Peter Snowden as well. From Johnny Palmer, we will see you very shortly. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com. Three circuits.